The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Hello and welcome back to The Fast and the Curious with me, Betty Glover. Me, Christian Hugill, back from my holiday. And me, the team principal, Greg James, back from my Harry Styles adventure. (laughs) How was Harry Styles? He really is the full package. Oh, he is, isn't he? Fantastic performer. My 15-year-old niece had the greatest night of her life. She looked at me halfway through and said, I'm not going to make my nine o'clock chemistry exam tomorrow (laughs) because I'm going to die here. Fine, I take it. Yeah. Life's too short. It's year 10 as well. Oh, by the way, you can hear a helicopter going above us. Because we are in your garden, Greg, aren't we? Yes, we're back in the... Team Principal's guard. That's the helicopter filming us that Formula One have sent us, so we get the air, a sort of airborne view of the, of the podcast. <laughs> the aerial shot. I think we need to work on that. We were no, a bit out of sync, weren't we? We should leave it, actually. Mm. We're loose and relaxed and excited. We're going to catch up with Anne from Anada, Canada in a bit on today's well, podcast. Who was on last week. And mm. I listened whilst getting ready to go out. I was in Portugal last week Aww. and listened while getting ready. Thoroughly enjoyed the Betty Glover show. And, of course, replacing me. Well, no, I, I didn't enjoy listening to Gemma at all because... <laughs> You've done a U-turn. No, I didn't enjoy it because she made my role of the podcast, this sort of resident F1 geek, sound far too easy. She made me worried for my drive. Like when last year, Alex Albon, who is the nicest man in Formula One, was off and Nick DeVries came in and smashed it and got points. Of course, Alex was like, it's great for the team. But Alex was fuming. Inside, yeah. Fuming. I was the same. She did far too much of a good job as far as I'm concerned. You're you're the Nick DeVries to her Mick Schumacher. She's she's snapping at my heels. Yeah, Ooh, good. Is that good? good. Well, you look so Greg. pleased with yourself there. Yeah. I guess at this point in the season, eight races in, mm. you can take the data, you can have a trend, can't you, with eight yes. races. You can go, how actually are these people doing? Verstappen just winning them all. Well, obviously that. But six, six out of eight. At the other end of it, <laughs> you go, bad. who's not quite going as well as they well, should yeah, be? Should, should so, we do under pressure in a bit? Mm, let's yeah. do under pressure in a bit. But yeah, what were your thoughts, Christian, on, on this race then? It's another really, really nice Grand Prix. I mean, Canada, I said this a couple of weeks ago when I was last on, it always throws up a good race and it did. You can overtake, yet the walls are close and Fernando brushed the wall early on. Max brushed the wall and nearly lost his race. George, bless him, more than brushed the wall and made a hugely uncharacteristic (laughs) error. So it threw up moments like that. Lots of overtaking, Lando's dive bomb and, uh, you know, brilliant race. So I did enjoy the race. There was a funny bit in the, what do they call that room? The cool down room. The cool down room. With the podium lads, Alonso, Verstappen and Hamilton, where they showed the bit where Alonso clipped the wall. And then yeah. Verstappen yes. and Lewis Hamilton were like, oh, hit the wall. Just, <laughs> just like it was lads in the changing room and, and Alonso didn't look at them in the eye. was no. like, yeah, a little bit. I, yeah. could, I live for that awkward chat in the cool down room. I love it. That, though, considering famously Max and Lewis have had their issues, that was the most... Nice. Yeah, they got on, didn't they? Chatty Max and Lewis I've seen for a long time. And then that went further because there's then the press conference after hosted by a lovely man called Tom Clarkson. And Tom was chatting to them. And again, they were having a lovely chat, the three of them. And Lewis sort of went, this is the sort of most iconic podium there's ever been and praising each other. So (laughs) some, yeah, really nice sort of friendliness between the drivers this weekend. I still cannot get over the fact that Max Verstappen is 25 years old and he's achieved that much. 
And Christian Horner said, we're now in the territory of saying, because of course he, he levelled Ayrton Senna's win mm-hmm. records, the great Ayrton Senna, the late great Ayrton Senna. And Christian Horner said, we, we can now talk about him amongst the all-time greats. And yeah. I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago on the pod. I firmly agree. He, he is an all-time great and he mm. will win many more races and probably many more championships. Well, yeah, because there's only four drivers ahead of him in the all-time list, right? Yeah, and when you consider the Sebastian Vettel dominant years and he's already catching Seb's win record, of course, all the normal caveats that F1 geeks will be shouting at their speakers, there are more races this year, yeah. certainly than there were in, in Michael Schumacher and Etta Senna's day, so it is easier to notch up the wins, of course. But yeah. It's very difficult to it compare yes. eras as well, and everyone always says that. I'm, I always get a bit like that with you cricket. You don't like this, do you? Well, yeah. no, I don't not like it. I just think it's it's fun for a bit, but actually, you can't compare the eras. You can't. You know, you can't compare. I say that with F1. Donald Bradman with Steve Smith. It's it's yeah. just a completely different game. It was two races, wasn't it? This this race, I felt there was there was the main race, which was Verstappen leading for ages, and then there was Alex Albon who was oh. leading his own race. So, should we talk a bit about our, our podcast? Mate Alex Albon. We've spoken a little bit about Alex's journey in the past, but obviously, only six months into his Formula One career, Alex, who had been driving for Alpha Tauri, the Red Bull sort of junior team, got promoted to Red Bull, uh, and it didn't last. You know, he. he was removed from the Red Bull seat 18 months later. He spent a year as Red Bull's reserve driver. And there was talk, like there is with Mick Schumacher at the moment, who I was obviously racing last year and now isn't this year. Will he ever get back into F1? And I've, I'm not just saying this. I'll quite happily, when I admit that I got things wrong, I thought Alex was harshly treated at Red Bull. I thought he deserved more time. I thought he was promoted a bit too early. And I've always believed Alex Albon is a massive talent. He's showing it. That drive, yes, Williams have had upgrades, but this weekend to get P7 was sensational. So I am so happy to see him get that result. And also, he would he'd admit this, you know, he had a chance of a good result in Melbourne and made a really uncharacteristic error. And that was such a shame. So he deserved this result. Massive for Williams, massive for Alex. They move up to ninth in the Constructors' Championship. And that's the one that really matters for a team like Williams because that's what gives them prize money. But he gets the best out of that car week after week after week. He's a real talent, Alex Albon. I'm delighted for him. We will get him on as soon as we possibly can. Yeah. As we've said, he's a friend of the podcast and we'd love to get his insight into that race. And I want to ask him what it feels like to be leading the rest of the pack. Yeah. I think that must be have his own pressure because he's obviously looking ahead. He wants to see what he can do and can he get to sixth? Or is he thinking, I've just got to stay seventh? Well, I, I'm it, interested it, in the mentality. It'll depend on particular circumstances. In that situation, we heard a team radio message from his race engineer saying, we're going to need some classic... Alex defence, he was in defence mode on that one, knowing that the cars up the road were much quicker than him. That was full defence mode. But again, full defence mode requires such technical expertise. I was going to say, that it, 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 you need something else in your locker, don't you, well, you to be can't, able to defend like that? Especially in this modern era of Formula 1 where the Pirelli tyres degrade so quickly, you can't go hell for leather straight away because you'll burn out your tyres. You can't conserve your tyres too much, otherwise you're going to get the cars behind you in the DRS zone. He's a very good, he's not only good with his overtaking and sheer speed, but he's a great race manager. He's an intelligent racing driver. Fantastic from Alex Albon this weekend. Elsewhere, some McLaren news. Sorry for stealing your jingle. That was in tune, that. I'm quite impressed. You say that a lot, don't you? Interesting weekend for McLaren because there was, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about the 
the five-second penalty for Lando Norris for unsportsmanlike behaviour. <laughs> the, the controversy with this penalty was that they called it unsportsmanlike behaviour, and it's a bit like, well, what does that mean? It slightly reminds me of when footballers say professional foul. Sorry to bring it back to cricket again, but there, there's, there's a lot always the chat of, like, the spirit of cricket. Which is a not a real thing. Um, but it's not in the spirit of the game. What, what is uns- it's, it's so wishy-washy. What does that mean? Have they broken a law? Have they broken a rule? Is unsportsmanlike behaviour an actual thing? In this incident, the FIA found Lando broke a rule. Under a safety car, we've discussed in this podcast before, why you get a big advantage going in the pits. Because if you need to make your pit stop and a safety car happens, you are getting your pit stop when the rest of the pack are going slower, so you lose less time. Oscar was in front of him, Oscar Piastri, Lando's teammate, and the allegation by the FIA was that Lando was slowing down too much so that Oscar could get in and out of the pits under the safety car, and then Lando could get in and out of the pits under the safety car too. He was putting a bit of a gap so it was possible for them to do what they call the double stack. Now, Lando's argument is, well, they all have to stick to what's called a delta. They get a time on their steering wheel, and it's like, stay within that time. And Lando was saying, I was only two seconds behind that time. That's nothing. Everyone does two seconds behind that time. That's next to nothing. So if you're going to punish me for that, why have others not been punished before for that? I couldn't agree more with Lando. I think it was a really harsh penalty. Everyone has different stewards week after week. There needs to be more consistency in the FIA stewarding for me. And I think the answer to that would be a pool of stewards that are full-time. You're never going to get stewards that are going to do all the races. There's too many nowadays. But we need a smaller pool of stewards week after week because that punishment that Lando got wouldn't have happened on another weekend and it just felt a little bit harsh for me because I, I, I agree with Lando. Can we talk about Oscar Piastri? Got to talk about Oscar's Instagram. Over to our cricket correspondent, Greg James. Thank you so much. Uh, good morning from the Oval. Where <laughs> we, no, okay, so Oscar Piastri as we know, is Australian. Yes. Therefore, he likes, or at least knows a lot about, cricket. It's not necessarily the case in England, but Australia, it is much like in India, it's like, even if you don't like it, your mum does, your uncle does, whatever. So Oscar Piastri, definitely, the way we, me and him, can bond is over cricket, definitely, because he's Australian. Yeah, you were buzzing, I think, when you saw this post. The morning of the ashes, he posted this extraordinary picture of... Ricky Ponting, one of the all-time great cricketers, let alone Australians, let alone captains, one of the all-time great cricketers. He's looking at an honours board and there's a kid staring up at Ricky Ponting. But it's so weird as well because it kind of looked a bit CGI. Do you know what I mean? It looked like Oscar had edited edited this together. The kid is a young Oscar Piastri. It's an it's actual Oscar Piastri. Why is the kid there? Looks like a little like a Victorian ghost. Or, or like haunting a, or the like image. a painting in a church. And Ricky's ignoring the kid. So he's not even there. So I <laughs> commented underneath saying, "What? Is this a real photo?" And then Oscar responded saying, "100% real. 7 years old on the back of the local Melbourne cricket rule book." What is happening there? I, I was it's my world's baffled. colliding in the most amazing way. Yeah, uh, but then Greg and Oscar's cricket chat, much to a lot of social media's buzz, continued over the weekend, didn't it? It did on, on Twitter, yeah. He, tw- he tweeted saying um, after day one, because England had a really great day on day one at Edgbaston. Day one, Greg. Day one. 
And then I said, let's mm. check in after day three and after you've done the Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just the small matter of the Grand Prix. <laughs> but anyway, look, when we get Oscar back on the show, we will talk to him about his... Um, well, we'll see how this, this test match goes because we're recording this as Australia are trying to chase down England's target on day four. Yes, so and Greg's we'll been watching it the whole well, time. I have, and I've been keeping an eye yeah, on a couple yeah, yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Slightly reminds me of reading the news on BBC Local Radio when he go updates at the Oval. Uh, day four of the test, Greg James. Christian, we've had so many questions in. It is unbelievable. I hope you're I hope you're raring to go to answer some of these. Uh, so Nick got in touch on email. A reminder that you can email us on fastandcurious at acast.com. He said, hi team, why is Red Bull's garage... Did I say that weird? Garage. You why just said is... it a little posh, if anything, but that's fine. You carry on. Oh, Jesus. Why is Red that. Bull's garage... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Why, why is Red Bull's garage at the pit lane exit at Canada and not at the entrance like normal? Uh, I've lost the question. What was this lovely listener's nickname? Uh, name? Not nickname. Not nickname. <laughs> <laughs> not nickname. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nick! It was Nick! I didn't even mean to do that! Nick! Name. His your, full name is, is Mr. Nick Name. I just your couldn't subconscious. find... I like to say the listener's name and I couldn't find it on my notes. So, right, sorry, Nick. <laughs> right, Nick. I've got a bit loud there, sorry. Quite Nick. Loud. We, we do live in a residential area. Yeah, no. I'm not... It's not gone well enough for me to not live near anyone. There's, there's neighbours on all sides. Right, I'd like to apologise to Greg's neighbours, apologise to Greg's wife in the house, and right, Nick, Nick. Right, what Nick is referring to is the fact that if you win the World Championship, typically your garage is at the far end of the pits, right? However... Didn't know that. Yes. And then if you're second in the championship, you're the second. And the yeah. third and fourth. And then Williams, who came last in last year's construction championship, are right at the other end. So what Nick spotted is that Canada's the other way round to usual. Oh, God, so, Nick's on it. I didn't notice yeah, that. Basically, they judge it on each individual circuit as to where you get the advantage. Canada, you come in straight off the back straight... Having the first garage is quite tricky because you've got to get onto the pit lane speed limiter and then you're the first garage. There's a lot to do, whereas there's less to do if you're at the other end. So it's more of an advantage to be at the other end. So basically, it's just an it's which way is the most advantageous. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Next question. Louise on Instagram got in touch saying, what's the deal with the banning of tyre warmers? She said, I assumed this was introduced for safety reasons, but maybe I'm wrong. What impact does it have on the racing? There's a lot of discussion at the moment in Formula One about whether to ban tyre warmers. It's a really hot topic. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh at him. It's Don't a, laugh. It's a, no, like a tyre warmer gag for I you like there. Yeah. Um, you encourage more, Greg, and then we get it all the time. That's my job as team principal. Thank you. He encourages my strengths. Anyway... Tire warmers are not good for the environment. Produces more power, produces more heat. I would like you to think also of a slice of bread, a humble slice of bread, Hovis, if you will. I'm thinking about it. Mm. If you were to put that in the toaster, oh yeah, but only for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just imagining. Yeah, but only for a little bit. Yeah. Right. So it's ma- golden. No. Oh. You'd make a slight warm, change. But it's warm. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's changed a little bit. You then put it back in the toaster again. It's a oh. bit crispier. Then uh, they put it in the toaster a third time. Then it's golden. Basically, once you heat bread up, it changes and you're, you can't change it back. You can't untoast bread. In science lessons at school, they call it a chemical change. The same happens with tyres. Once they get heated up, they change. There's only so many times tyres 
can get heated up and cool again before they've changed too much and, and they you've lose got to get performance. Rid of them. And oh. you've got to get rid of them. So imagine a situation mm. where it might rain. Someone on the pit wall will go, get the wet tyres warmed up. They will go in the blankets, but it might not rain. And then it never rains, and then those tyres are warmed up, and then you've got to get rid of them. That happens three times. The tyres, get rid of them. They're wasted. They want to avoid the unnecessary heat and energy for the tyre warmers, the unnecessary getting rid of tyres. They want to avoid that. However, we've already spoken on this podcast a lot, anyone who's been with us from the start, about the sheer physical demands to get these cars warmed up. Can you do that? without tyre warmers. Well, that's tricky. It's a question of the environment and waste, and that is why tyre warmers are currently being discussed as to whether they can stay in Formula 1. I mean, it is an absolute madness. The first time I was lucky enough to go and have a tour of the garages during Mm. a Grand Prix, Mm. I saw the rack of tyres with their little blankets. Yeah. It's absolutely mad. This this is, you know, we're treating tyres better than we treat certain human beings in our society. Mm, Got a bit political, but you're right. Human beings are colder than some mm. of the tyres in the winter. <laughs> that is fact. What you said yeah. there is fact. There yeah. are colder human beings than yeah. Formula One tyres because they're very hot. Are all, just to check, guys, we've we've created the world. Are all the humans warm enough? No. No. Are all the tyres warm enough? Yes. Okay, great. Well, as long as the tyres are okay, yes. then that's fine. But it's, it, I mean, I'm being silly. But they're, they're, <laughs> it's it's a, it's one of the big madnesses of Formula One where you walk in and you go, what's that, what are they doing there then? That's a man who's warming the tyres up. It is funny, isn't it? It is okay. weird when you actually see it face to face, isn't mm. it? It really is. So that's why they were hoping to be able to get rid of them. Did you like the toast analogy? Loved it. Should we speak to our... Canadian Canadian correspondent. Yes, we yes. can. Uh, 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 uh. Well, well, Anne is here. Anne, hello. Hello. Welcome Anne back to the podcast, and uh, it's lovely, lovely to have you <laughs> back. You. Great episode with um, with Betty last week. I can't believe that Betty didn't refer to you as Anada. Yeah. yeah, I really let the team down, didn't I? I'm so sorry. I completely forgot. Well, we could have done Vancouver. We could have done just. So Ka- much can. Ka- uh, can. Ka- what other race have you been to? Have you been? Have you been uh, do they do a race in Amsterdam? No, they don't. No, do. they don't. No, no. Um, Japan. The Anne Marino Grand Prix. Oh, God. <laughs> Silverstone. Silverstone. Singapore. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, Anne, did you enjoy the Canadian Grand Prix? Saudi Arabia. Saudi. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Anne, whatever we want to call you, and whatever you want to be called. It doesn't matter. How did you find the Grand Prix? I'm so impressed with how many you've managed to fit in. It was uh, quite the experience. We had obviously a lot of weather, a lot of drama, but um, it was good fun. It was good fun. We got burnt and and we're in a thunderstorm on the same day. Um, We made a lot of friends around us that had been, there was a group around us who had been going for 30 years to the same uh, grandstand. So we infiltrated their group. But yeah, great fun. And I spotted in the uh, on our Instagram, Fast Curious Pod, if you want to send us a message on Instagram, uh, somebody asked a question that I get asked all the time that I'd like to ask you, which was, why should you go to an F1 race? It's such a different experience. You kind of don't really know what's going on in the general race, so it's all a bit haphazard. But um, 
you see how fast they, which sounds so stupid but you see how fast they go and then like you can see the gap between them like when we saw like max pulling out like it becomes so obvious how much of a difference what max is doing when you just see them get further and further away right when we had this when we went to Silverstone, it was the first time Betty you'd seen an F1 car go past. And mm. we were like, and producer Jimmy as well. And it was like, oh my God, that's insane. And then I was saying to Betty at the time, I was like, imagine 20 of them. And Anne, you just said then, God, you just see how fast they are. It is insane, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And I think when you first see them, you do just, you kind of become a child. Like you see them go past so fast and you're like, I mean you know they go fast but when you're seeing it like zoom past you i think being on the hairpin was really fun because you got to see them come up at like high speed and then really slow down so it was it was fun to see that um and yeah you i think you just the gap is what like four seconds but it feels so long when you see like max go around and you don't see anyone go around. Like, there's no one else inside when he's going around so yeah it is crazy and then at the end you get to go on the track so we walked on the track we can say that the curbs are very big and the surface is uh, very uh very um not well maintained shall we say so we agree with the drivers did you see the curb that um max verstappen nearly lost it on we walked over it and it was you know you're hiking up it and hiking back down so it was it's pretty big pretty big curb why are we all so weird and nerdy that <laughs> at the minute we walk on same with a football pitch cricket pitch is the same you go it's just grass it's mm. the same with a formula <laughs> one track it's yeah. a road. You're did, did, fascinating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's fascinating. And did yeah. you kiss it? Some people walk onto the pitch and they kiss the grass. Did you kiss the track? Did you kiss True. it? Anne? No, did we didn't. Did <laughs> but did you kiss it, though, Anne? Did you? Did you kiss it, Anne? We, we did not. We did not. However, there were Some a lot of people, people lying do. on the track. Yes, so, thank you. Yeah. People love to, love to put their limbs on yeah. the track. Our right. fast, scariest pod. Has anyone ever kissed a Formula One track before? Because even I've not done that. People kiss football pitches. All the time. I think we may have found a, a good Fast and the Curious <laughs> catchphrase there. Did you kiss it, Anne? <laughs> <laughs> What's the time, Toto Wolf? I will fight you, David Attenborough, and did you kiss it, Anne? They are the podcast catchphrases. <laughs> so just to be clear, Anne didn't kiss it. Is there a preferable corner at Silverstone? to watch the race from? Is there is there an equivalent? Is there a slow, fun, technical well, corner? I find that really difficult to answer because there are so many Silverstone is a fantastic track to watch F1 and I'm not just saying that because we're British you could you could say that about any me and my dad used to sit on the very last corner because you'd see the sort of last little technical bit and then they'd go on to the start finish straight you can't really go wrong with Silverstone it's a great place to watch F1 have you walked on the circuit there Silverstone yeah yes I have yes I have did you kiss it I, I, I didn't kiss it, Anne. No, no, I didn't kiss it. There was, there was. It's Anne says at the end of the race they let you all on. That's the same with a lot of Grand Prix. If I had stopped to kiss it, Chris, I'd have been sorry. trampled to death. Christian is the sort of fan in F1 that would go on the track and kiss it. Though you are Christian, you admit it. You are. Would you? Would you dry hump an apex? <laughs> I think given half a chance, he'd be in there. I wouldn't that happen? Maybe I would. I wouldn't. I think you have. I think you have. I can't even remember to defend myself over this. Like those guys in America that like go, yeah, I did have sex with my Chevrolet. <laughs> <laughs> but she was just so inviting. <laughs> 
Oh, and I'm sorry. <laughs> One of the things I love most about going to races is being surrounded by people like me who just love it. Not you two, people who dry hump bloody curbs, but people who just love motor racing. And I'm clinging on to this podcast for dear life. How? Shut up, Betty. Go away. And how was the atmosphere? The atmosphere was great. I think uh, it was definitely interesting how many people came on Sunday when it was fair weather. Even in the rain, everyone was still very committed. I think everyone was in such high spirits. Like a lot of fans for a lot of different people and everyone was just really happy to be there. Right. Betty's full on crying. I keep catching producer Jimmy's eye. <laughs> there's a red flag, there's a red flag out. There seems to appear to be a man on the apex. <laughs> Just at, at Beckett's, there's a red flag. The race has to be stopped. There's a safety car. Oh. <laughs> safety car just pick you up. The safety car Take picks you away. Up. They just put you in the boot of the yeah. safety car. Anyway. God. So the atmosphere, Anne, uh, we were just talking about, was obviously re- was great. But when I go yeah. and watch live sport, Anne, I don't know if you feel like this, is that I love being there and I, I really love it. Like when I go and watch cricket, it's just my, the happiest day of my life. There's a part of it where you, I get a bit annoyed because I go, oh, I can't. I don't really, I don't really know what's going on here. And I sometimes miss the commentary and I sometimes yeah, I miss like the that. nuance and I miss the replays and I miss the analysis from the experts. But how do you manage that when you go and watch it live? Or do you, I guess you, you pick out other bits that you enjoy. Yeah, we had it on our phone, but I think everyone's trying to do that. So then the signal is just rubbish. But you do, you miss what's going on on the rest of the track. We had like these little headpieces that they gave us, but they're speaking in like French and English. The cars are going around so loud that you can't really hear what's going on. And you can see the popping up of the team radio on the screen in front of you you can't hear it which feels so cruel so we then like went home and on the metro home we're watching the highlights strong work what the heck happened because you only know what's happened on the hairpin so like you know people were because of our um merch people were giving us updates around us on uh, the people they knew we were interested in but for the rest of it you're like you have no idea what's going on and some of the overtakes that aren't happening you kind of see it on the screen but you can't appreciate how that fits into the rest of the race until you watch it afterwards so you definitely miss um having crofty in your ear for sure we need to talk about your merch don't we your earrings were impeccable <laughs> they were brilliant tell us about them so we met yeah my friend taylor who i'm with made them for us last year there was four of us that went to monza so we had one friend had Daniel Ricardo ones, one friend had Carla Sainz, I had Charles Leclerc, she had George Russell, and then she also had some Yuki ones. We didn't make as much of an impact this year with just the two of us, but people were loving the earrings. I can only imagine it's what being a celebrity feels like. You walk past people pointing at you, you're just trying to pretend you don't notice the points. So it was, yeah, people were loving them. Loving them. Oh, I love that. We need some, I was going to say, we need some earrings for Silverstone. You guys don't have your ears first, so that would be useless. <laughs> get some, get, no. Get some clip-ons. Yeah. Be up for that. <laughs> Paper nails, great. maybe. <laughs> earrings at Silverstone. Why not? We've got to look nice for those apexes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually can't anymore. Um, and lastly, what was your favourite bit? What was your absolute highlight? Oh, I don't know. I maybe the the when we had the thunderstorm and everyone else left. There was I think maybe what 10, 15 of us left on our grandstand, and we thought the cars had given up. And then they all came back out and it was just like the most exciting thing because we're like right next to them. And obviously seeing them in the rain was like chaos. But then I also think like watching Lando's overtake on the hairpin was very exciting. So that was a good one to have in front of us. 
I know that we spoke about Gary. When Gary the Groundhog came up on the screen, there was a huge cheer for Gary. So I feel like, yeah, general crowd atmosphere was good fun. Oh, yeah. And can we just check, is he still alive after the race? <laughs> yeah, apparently didn't even try going on the track. Just like, you know, going along the side on the grass, not really interested. And it's been absolutely fascinating uh, having you on. Because, and, and I'm jealous because Canada is one of my bucket list races. So loved getting your insight. You've made me want to go to the race even more. Loved hearing you chat with Betty last week. Apologies, me and Greg were both on holiday. But thank you for chatting with us. Sorry it went slightly shambolic at one stage, but we sort of pulled it back. And um, enjoy the rest of the season. And we'll catch up with you again soon, Anne. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks to Anne, or Can, or Can- Canada. I, I actually f- genuinely feel sorry for Anne now. Yeah, that she had to sit through. We took that too far. Onslaught, not only with the name, but with the Apex chat and, and everything. Everything. We awful. took it too far. Uh, but we've composed ourselves now and we're raring to go for the rest of this episode. Christian, we said we'd talk about those that were under pressure. A few names. That the weekend. Oh, wasn't sorry, I thought you were so talking to. about Christian being under pressure on this podcast because of Gemma. Because <laughs> of Gemma week. from last week, yeah. <laughs> I did wonder why he looked at me like that. So, eight races yeah. under their belts. We know who's doing well, but who's not doing quite as well as maybe they would like to be doing? Y- you got me thinking about this because oh. you asked me a few weeks back when Sergio Perez had had a difficult weekend at Red Bull, like, could Sergio be under pressure? Now, Sergio does have a contract for next year, but Red Bull have demonstrated many times in the past, as any team would, you know, if they feel they need to make a change, they will. You know, McLaren had a contract with Daniel Ricciardo this season. Things can change. At the moment, Red Bull are comfortably ahead. But imagine a situation, and this probably won't happen, but sport teams need a plan B. Imagine a situation where Red Bull weren't quite so far ahead. Would the championship be so much closer? Because, again, this weekend on the podium is Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso. That's not coincidental. Sergio needs to be up there. And he keeps making little mistakes that don't get him through to qualifying three and have to recover. He won two of the first four races and he had a fantastic start. If you're Sergio Perez, you don't need to be battling for the world championship. You just need to be there to pick up the pieces if Max isn't. You need to be on the podium. You need to be second, third, fourth. So I think Sergio, and I think he'd admit it if he was sat around with us. I don't think what I'm saying is controversial. Be absolutely mental if he was here now. It would just, just, <laughs> just sat at the end of the table with that, a glass of rosé. Who's that at the door? Oh, it's Sergio Perez. <laughs> Bella, can you let Sergio Perez in, please? We'd, we'd have. We're talking about his career. We'd have Anne and a Mexican. Oh, God. Oh, no. Anyway, so I, I would suggest Sergio's under a little bit of pressure. The other one that really interests me is again, we look at Fernando Alonso on 117 points in the championship after Canada and Lance Stroll being on 37 points. 37 points is a very disappointing haul in a car that's been second fastest throughout. And of course, the caveat is that Lance's dad, Lawrence, owns the team. And I've said this before, but Lawrence Stroll's a ruthless businessman. Now he's in a situation where his team could feasibly be fighting for a world championship in two or three years. Even if your dad owns the team, I think Lance is under pressure. I think going into this next, these next few races... The people we're gonna, who are going to really want to see themselves on the podium are Lance and Sergio. And again, Max is winning. Fine. Of course, Max is doing sensationally. But the battle behind them is fascinating. Well, that's really interesting. Quick chat about Logan Sargent, friend of the podcast. 
rookie year as a Formula One driver. He won't be happy with what happened in Canada, obviously, but... It's early days for him still, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously no fault of his own in Canada with an engine problem. And Logan showed huge flashes of pace at the start of the season. And since then, has sort of struggled to hook it up and put it together, facing a lot of tracks that are brand new to him. Also, Williams haven't got the resources to put the upgrade on Alex Albon's car on his car too. And he won't get that until Silverstone. Silverstone's a track he knows well. It's really early days in Logan's career and there was those encouraging flashes of pace early doors. I think once he's got the upgrade and once he's at more tracks in the second half of the season that he knows, it will be really interesting to see how Logan goes. I believe in Logan as a driver and as a future star of Formula 1 potentially. I think he needs a bit more time. So I'm, I'm hopeful that Logan's fortunes will upturn very soon. Another one worth mentioning is Nick DeVries, just very quickly before we wrap up. Yeah, I think there is a lot of pressure on Nick because he's obviously a really experienced racing driver. He did so well and won Formula 2, won Formula E. Last year, he was a super sub for an Neil Alex Albon at Williams, scored points in that race, and everyone expected him to really push Yuki Tsunoda in terms of pace. And he hasn't been able to do that at AlphaTauri. And for a racing driver with that much experience... He, I think that's been a bit of a surprise. I don't see, stranger things have happened, I don't see Daniel Ricciardo getting into an Alpha Tower. He wanted to be in a car that he could fight for wins in. That isn't that. He said, if I want to come back to F1, it's going to be a competitive yeah, car. Because that's the, that's the rumour, isn't Aston. it? Get rid of Lance Stroll, get Daniel Ricciardo in. Well, maybe that's good. Could you happen. imagine Fernando Alonso and Daniel Ricciardo as the as That the would Aston be Martin such guys? an awkward... Stranger things have happened. That would be such an awkward Stroll Christmas, can you imagine? But, 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 there are promising drivers like Liam Lawson, who is a Red Bull junior driver, who is impressing. You've also got drivers waiting on the sidelines like Mick Schumacher, who's been linked with Williams, he's mm. been linked with Alpha Tauri. In fact, there were rumours that Alpha Tauri, quite strong rumours, that Alpha Tauri wanted him in the winter and he actually opted to go to Mercedes to be part of their reserve lineup. But it happens. It is a brutal, brutal sport and yeah, we see it. But look at what's the story that get, would get the fans talking, the world talking, mm. Daniel Ricciardo driving for Aston Martin. Can you imagine the it scenes? It would be great to have him back. You're trying to well. manifest this. It's not been talked about, but you're trying to manifest has it. Has it not been talked about? It's a gamble that could well pay off if you were Aston Martin because Daniel Ricciardo has been sensational in the past. But it'd be a risk for a big team to pick up Danny Ricciardo because the last two years didn't go brilliantly well. Listen, nobody wants Danny Ricciardo to return to Formula One more than me. And I think he's been a fantastic driver. It's just he can't ignore the last two years. Christian, thank you. Betty, thank you. No Grand Prix next week. However, I have booked one of our favourites. Chloe Grant from the Formula One Academy is going to be back on the podcast, see how her season's going, how she's thinking about the, the Formula One season. We'll see you all then. A bit Excellent. of F1 Academy catch-up. I look forward to that. And you've never met her, have you? So it'll be your no. first meeting with F1 Academy. Oh, and we ice need to, cream. Oh, the ice we cream need to go the ice cream man's here. <laughs> hey. Right, better go. Bye. Bye.